Good evening, everyone. Friends, the Sirach and um, our gospel, um, the teaching method, I want to bring this up, there's a teaching method being used uh, by Sirach and also by our Lord. Um, in our gospel reading, we had a very three short, very powerful uh, statements by our Lord or, or parables. And uh, this is known as charas. Uh, which is translated string of beads or pearls. Um, the method of moving rapidly from uh, one point to another. And it's done to try and keep the listener's attention. And uh, though this method to us seems uh, highly disjointed, uh, it was considered highly effective in biblical times. And it's, um, I tried to do this, uh, but what happens is people say, Father, those are... Uh, you gave three homilies. <laughs> Indeed, I did. <laughs> it didn't work for me. Uh, but I bring this up because it was a great teaching method, and we see it in Sirach, and we see it in the gospel today, uh, how it is executed uh, perfectly. Um, so we, I go to our gospel, and Jesus says, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, uh, what is in the heart will eventually come forth by the, way, by the way one talks. And one's tongue, when we think about it, is uh, one of the busiest parts of the body, uh, certainly for many, and, uh, <laughs> and one of the most powerful. Doctor, are you listening to me? <laughs> I'm, he's a doctor, so I can ask him. It's a pretty powerful instrument, isn't it? The tongue. That's what I, you know, I, I joke about it being... Uh, uh, busy, uh, but it is all very, very powerful. Today's first reading and gospel speak about the power of the tongue, the power of words, the power of speech. It puts forth the tongue as a sword, but it also puts forth the tongue as an instrument of measure or a symptom of sorts. So we look at it first as uh, the human tongue being used as a sword. And uh, I want you guys to think back on this day and, uh, and remember how many people have you encountered? How many people have you physically touched with a handshake or a hug? And, uh, um, and how you've influenced them or, or did something physically. But then I want you to think about how many people you have touched with your words. And now I know with today's technology, uh, many people do that through text messaging. Uh, so uh, the, the word being used that way. But uh, uh, my friends, so what I'm getting at is we can use our words to give comfort and to encourage people and to speak of peace. We can sing. Uh, we're going to be entering into land. We, we sang the Gloria, and we will not have the Gloria again sung until uh, Holy Week. And uh, so we use our tongues to give God glory, uh, but people can also use their tongues to hurt people, to destroy reputations, and to spread slander of all sorts and levels. Our words can clarify. They can also deceive and create confusion for people. Words can cause war or begin the peace process. Most of our interactions with the world are through words, spoken or, if you will, now written. 
what we say is more powerful and long-lasting than anything we would do with our physical strength. One can physically assault a person and hurt them in body, and that injury, uh, in all likelihood, will heal. But if one verbally abuses someone, those words cut much deeper. They cut into the heart of that person, and that wound that type of wound does not heal so easily. And it will lend into what we spoke about last weekend, about grudges and unforgiveness. My friends, they cut uh, to the heart of the person and wound them. If we steal from someone, we can give it back with interest, and the person can be made whole in that situation. But if one steals another's reputation and his or her good name through gossip and slander, can you ever return? What restitution do you give that person? The book of Sirach says in the chapter that follows, for you who will study that chapter, uh, many have fallen by the sword, but many more have fallen by the tongue. The tongue as a sword, as a weapon. But it's also the tongue and the way our Lord is presenting it becomes somewhat of a gauge or somewhat of a, a per, per putting forth a symptom of something. Friends, uh, um, it is an indicator of the state of one's heart, one, of one's spiritual health. Today's reading from Sirach um, and the Lord's concluding words of the gospel, uh, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's how one speaks to and about others becomes a symptom or an indicator um, of what's happening in their heart. And my friends, we will enter into the Lenten season in just a few days. The readings for Lent will call us uh, to look not only at our speech, but to go deep into our hearts. Lent is a time to look within at the state of our heart. And, uh, my friends, you know, Jesus said, uh, he said, how, how are you going to help your brother when you yourself have a big old piece of wood in your own eye? You know he's, what he's saying? He's saying, stop judging your brother when you yourself are in sin. How are you going to lead that person away from sin when you are in sin yourself? This is what he means. Uh, if you study, and this is what he's talking about. He says, are you trying to, so what are we doing? Can we use the Lenten season to clear uh, the speck from our eye that we may help uh, others? Uh, can we see clearly enough to lead someone else? What is the condition of your heart then. We know what our heart is like uh, through the things that come from it. And one of them is uh, becomes evident by the power of the words you use, by the power of your speech. Are we using that gift of power to heal or to destroy and ruin? Or do we use it to, uh, uh, to bring peace 
so often we think of those who do great things for the Lord. I was just talking about St. Nicholas of Tolentino. A good word is coming out of, um, from Tolentino uh, from my visit from the pastor there. And I'll share that uh, when I get confirmation about uh, things from there. But um, we read about saints who establish convents and monasteries and had victory in holy wars and such. Let us not forget the power of good words also. When we let our words be the word of our Lord to others, they do great things indeed. A good and holy word to another has an effect that will be lasting for a lifetime. In the same way, if you use words that are destructive, they will last a long time in that person, causing pain. The tongue so busy and so powerful. Through it one can touch the lives of so many, for better or for worse. From the fullness of the heart, your mouth speaks. If we give our hearts to Christ and then speak from the heart, we will always use our tongues then for good purpose. Always say the right thing. It may not always be the most popular thing to say. It may not be the most poetic thing that will come out of one's mouth. But it will be the right thing. Our words will carry the word of our Lord. If our hearts reflect Christ, so will our words. So will our deeds. Our very lives. When Jesus speaks about the heart, he's talking about our very lives. A good tree that bears good fruit. And Jesus said elsewhere, by their fruits you shall know them. A person's heart, their very life then, is ultimately known by their words and by their actions. We know this because Jesus would go on to put forth that actions are a good indicator also of one's character. He would go on and tell them, but you don't believe what I've said then believe what I have done. So our actions also become a good indicator also of one's character. And he, he would use this, uh, he would levy this against the Pharisees and the scribes because he knew that one's words and uh, one's actions uh, belies them. Remember, Jesus often called, uh, as he used that word today in the gospel, he uh, leveled against the scribes and Pharisees that they were a bunch of hypocrites and vipers because they do not practice what they teach or preach. My friends, um, let us take to heart. Uh, I know many of you know and understand this uh, because uh, so many, uh, so much pain has been caused uh, not only by people's words spoken directly to them, but behind their backs. And now with that whole idea of being anonymous online, using social media to launch attack on people, I mean, to the point where some of the young people commit suicide because of the level of the destruction of the written word. You see, power. Let us use this power and not abuse it. So my friends, Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, is a day of fasting and abstinence. 
you all know what that is, right? I don't need to teach you what that is. 18 to 59. Have to abide by that. If you're over 59, you don't have to. But if you can, you should. Canon law hasn't caught up to the age thing yet. People are living to be 80 and 90 now. They're going to catch up. They'll be changing that soon enough. Yeah, those under the age of 14 do not have to uh, fast. Uh, but that is between them and their parents. Mm -hmm. Friends, um, Ash Wednesday is a very significant day. It begins Lent, but it is not a holy day of obligation. I'm not going to lie to you about that. But it is always a good for you to come and uh, celebrate Mass. But it is not a holy day of obligation. If you do not come, then you miss out on the start of Lent <laughs> with all of us. Huh? I will be here as is my custom. I will have Mass at 9 a.m. and Mass at 7 p.m. with imposition of ashes. But we will be, I will be in the church all day in prayer, and I will impose ashes on any Christian that will come through the door. The ashes are not a sacrament, but a sacramental. So any Christian may have ashes imposed on them. So tell your Christian friends, uh, Father's in the church praying, and he'll be more than uh, happy to mark their foreheads with the bust ashes, okay? Last year, we had over 170 people come through the whole day. That's a lot of people who maybe could not have come to 9 a.m. or 7 p.m., or for whatever reason could not come, but made their mark and then made their witness. And that brings me to the next thing, with my homily, be careful with your words. If you get ashes put on your forehead and then you go to back to work or go out into the environment and say terrible things, <laughs> the confession was over there <laughs> for you. But you'll be witnessing by that cross on your forehead that I'm a Christian. Act like one then. Be a good witness. Uh, let your words and deeds speak. My friends, as I said, uh, the t teaching technique of Jesus, uh, uh, I believe it's pronounced karaz, um, was a very ancient one, but one that was not easy to accomplish. As David uh, uh, spoke to you, it is time for our parish to uh, move into a different direction uh, with our catechesis and evangelization. My heart, for a year I've been praying because I'm anxiety-ridden about it, because it is a great shift in how we will teach how we will instruct, um, how we will catechize and evangelize at the parish. Um, so um, prayers are needed uh, because I'm already losing sleep uh, about it um, because it, it will be a difficult, a very difficult way of going about it for many people because no one likes change. <laughs> and this is going to be a significant change. Uh, other parishes have uh, already made the move and some with greater or lesser degrees of success. And that's why my heart is kind of in, in a filled with anxiety about it. But together as a community, it will be good. And uh, we will evangelize and become stronger uh, disciples. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this is where I'm like, Jesus, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you do. So take, take control, take the reins, and make it happen. Right, so together we'll pray uh, in the coming months as the change happens in September, and uh, uh, we will embrace it, and uh, we will have to adjust um, as we move through the weeks and months into the new uh, 
pedagogy, the new way of teaching. 